Military Lessons for Preppers from a Ford Observer. Let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training. Urban survival. Close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey there, what's up, Warrior? This is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of Training at WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 378. Hey, look, before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out to Star93, who gave us a five-star rating on our podcast, and he had this to say, sheesh. I just have to say, ever since the pandemic started, this podcast has been my go-to for everything. I recommend going back to the first episodes and you won't go wrong. Thank you. You made me more comfortable and humble with the style I wanted to present with my path on prepping. No, thank you, Star 93. Thank you. Listen, if you are loving our podcast, please go and leave us a badass five-star review. Wherever you listen in, you can find us and subscribe to our channel on iTunes, Googly, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fix from. Okay, so jumping into the training here, we, we have a saying in the Army, there's the right way, the wrong way, and the military way. In other words, it's not always the right way. Sometimes it really is the wrong way, but it's always a way. And I've learned over the years that my 10 years in the Army have taught me a lot more than I ever realized especially as our world heats up and the threats around us just continue to mount. And I don't, I don't say that lightly, folks. I'm finding more and more that it's my military experience that's serving me the best. And I'm finding more ways to apply my training and my combat experience to my own plan when it comes to providing for and protecting my family. And I'm talking about like today, right now, as things heat up and well into the future as well. In fact, in this month's Warrior Workshop for our members of our Warrior Life Academy, we just held a training session where I showed our members how to apply military principles to their home defense plan and look at things with a completely different set of eyes. Um, Our members right now are, are kind of putting those principles in action in our monthly challenge. And it's really great to see their feedback and and how they're applying the things and actually doing what we talk about in our training and just taking it from head knowledge and putting it into a real plan for their families. Well, after that workshop, I really started thinking about other lessons that I've learned from my time in the military as well and where I could connect these with real world practical principles that could help you with your survival plans. Now, my role in the Army was as a forward observer. It's technically by MOS specialty. It's a it's a it's an artillery position, but we were with the um, we were with the infantry. So um, we were basically attached to the infantry. So in most units that I was with, we I, I was living with the infantry. Um, oftentimes we would be attached to like long range reconnaissance or part of a, an infantry platoon, and it was our job to really call in like artillery fire and close uh, close air support mortar fire and and things like that. But we were right there there on the front line. In fact, our job as a forward observer outside of being attached just to the infantry was to go either like sometimes even behind enemy lines and find an observation point. Same thing as like long range reconnaissance, which is why I was often attached with with the LERPs because their job also was to go out there and get intel on the enemy so that we had the best plan going forward when we went to attack the enemy. Now, with a Ford Observer, it's a little bit different. It's, it's, it is it's a, um, a reconnaissance mission as well, but we were able to call in artillery fire from far away or close air support where we never even needed the ground troops in there. But 
we had to stay very like it was you were hidden away from everybody so think of it like kind of like a sniper position also but we were not firing at somebody we didn't want anybody to know where we were our job was to observe where they were not be found and be able to take out the enemy from either a far distance or provide information back to um, frontline troops to be able to come in and we would oftentimes provide artillery support close air support things like that as the troops were coming in so we could coordinate all of that so this week, what I want to do is I wanted to share with you eight quick military prepping lessons as a forward observer that I learned that you should consider for your own survival plan. It really has to do with kind of that observation, intel gathering, and 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 what it takes to actually do that. Because one of the things as a forward observer, again, going in there into position, we had to make sure that we were not discovered going in or at any point whatsoever. The other thing was that we had to carry that stuff with us and we had to live out of whatever we took with us like for an extended period of time, sometimes as much as like a week or so with no resupply. Unlike other troops that were back in garrison or getting ready to go, ready to go out on a mission, oftentimes you were, you were supplied with all the gear, ammunition, food, everything that you needed for the time that you were going to be on that mission. You come back and you go into the chow hall. In this sort of a position as a forward observer, I'm, we might be out there for an extended period of time and there was no resupply because you're not going to have a Humvee come out and give away your position to be able to show where you were. So those are some other factors that we had to contend with that really taught me a lot about survival. So let me go ahead and go through these eight quick military prepping lessons here. So number one is don't go lone wolf. As you know, there's strength in numbers. Um, a platoon is better than a squad. A squad is better than like a fire team. You want to at least have a team member that you can prep with and that you can respond to a crisis with. A, a lone wolf is, uh, if anything goes wrong and something will always go wrong, there is nobody there to back you up. So as a forward observer, we always had a radio telephone operator. We had another, we had another team member that was there with us. And there were lots of reasons for that. So one, you don't have eyes in the back of your head. So you might need somebody to call, to kind of cover your back because if you're focused in on the crisis that's in front of you, so there might be an attack that's happening, you might be calling an artillery fire, but your brain is focused in on the threat in front of you. You don't want to be kind of looking back all the time to see if you've got any enemy that are coming up uh, behind you. You don't have eyes in the back of your head. Having somebody else there provides you much better coverage so that you can focus in on the task at hand. Also, you have to sleep sometime. So even in a, whether it is a, a bug out scenario for you or it is a surviving place scenario, you're going to want to, if it really is truly a crisis when there's, when there's bad guys out there, you want to make sure that you do have 24 hours, uh, seven day a week coverage and you have to sleep sometime. You need to be able to get that sleep to be able to be better prepared for everything that is happening around you. Also, first aid, if, if somebody is injured, do you have somebody there that can provide relief or be able to go and get help or call for help or whatever? Um, also, what if commo does go down? So you, everybody should have communication. And if it does go down, then you need to make sure that you are, uh, that you do have some other means of somebody being able to go out and get help. So it might be first responders if you're in a, in a survival situation. It might be just somebody to look. You could even go unconscious, right? So having somebody else there to signal for help is going to be a big help. Uh, so um, the question is, who's your team member? Who are 
who are you teamed up with? Who are you prepping with? Who are you ready to respond with? That could be a family member. It could be somebody else that you are prepping with as like a mutual aid group or a survival team, I call them, okay? But then is that team member trained? Do they have any, do they have their own supplies? Do they, are they trained to be able to take independent action if you're not available? Are they going to support you the way that you need? In the military, we knew that we had that because they were specially trained teams. But you want to make sure that you do have somebody, that they are well-equipped, and that they are well-trained also. Okay. All right. Um, Number two here is to go high. So you want to always have the best vantage point that you possibly can. Now, as a forward observer, it would always give us much better perspective on the battlefield and be able to spot more targets of opportunity if we were up high on a ridgeline somewhere. We didn't, you never on top of like a ridgeline because you don't want to silhouette yourself against the background. It's much easier to be seen there, but you want to find a good hide spot in a place that is on like a ridgeline that's going to give you a good vantage point of as much area in front of you as you possibly can. So that affects you if you are in like a bug out situation and you are putting you know, you're, you're, you're going to bed down for even, even if it's just for a night, if you're going to look for, or if you're going to look for a more long-term position, you want to have something that does have a good vantage point of the area around you so that you can see if there is movement out there, if there are other people in your area of operations that, that you need to be uh, aware of, concerned of. So it's going to help you to go, to go up high that way. Even in urban terrain, um, when I was in combat, the, it, was in, it was in a city. And the first thing I did once there was a, a break in, now you got to be careful how you get up there, um, th- is to get to the top of a building. So if you are on top of a building, you can get essentially pretty much like 360 degrees. If you can go around like around the building or if you have somebody that you can station in another part of the building, it's going to give you much better vantage point there. Um, like I said, do be careful how you get up there. I was stupid enough to try and go up a, um, it was a, it was a metal, it was one of those spiral staircases. And I had my, I had my backpack uh, with me and, uh, it was not easy to get up there. And there was a sniper that was taking pot shots. Unfortunately, I didn't get hit, but there was, I could see these pieces of, uh, of concrete just kind of, uh, trust me, you've never seen anybody get up a, a spiral staircase with a backpack on faster than that. Um, so you want to make sure, again, it goes into you want to make sure that you're going in to your position as stealthily as your position is that you're going into, all right? So, but giving a high vantage point is going to help you out a lot. Even if it is a situation where there's a lot of chaos happening around you, there's a protest, there's a riot, you get caught in a crowd, there's an active shooter situation. Um, it can be completely chaotic and if there's a big group of people there and you're not sure which way to go or where there's an opening, sometimes even just climbing on top of like a, a mail, um, like a mail bin or a trash can or a newspaper holder, a sign, anything that you can do just to get above the crowd. Sometimes that is going to save you from getting trampled on, but it might also give you a vantage point that you'd be able to see around you and see where there is a good escape route or maybe where there is danger also. But getting a high vantage point is going to help you out a lot. Number three, map reading matters. Um, look, people, there's a lot that you can learn from a topographical map. Uh, most people have never even seen one out there. Don't think that you're just going to be able to look at it and know exactly what it what to do with it. 
there's going to be some obvious things that you're going to find on there, but there are going to be things on there that you're not going to get off of a typical roadmap. Now, there are some roadmaps that also have a topographical kind of version of them as well. Um, but a topographical map is going to show you areas that are going to give you more hides. You'll be able to see more more areas that are um, you'll you'll look for you'll be able to see swampy areas. You'll be able to pick out. Uh, main terrain, you'll be able to find your way if you really know how to read it. You'll be able to, and that's without, that's just with a little bit of training. But you're also going to find water sources that no one else really knows about because they're not going to be out where people are most likely going to see them in public. So you'll be able to see in more wooded areas where there's lowlands, where there's marshes, where there might be streams that are there. And you'll be able to find water sources when, especially when people, um, you know, when there is no clean drinking water, you'll be able to go and you'll, if you've got a good system for being able to filter water, you'll be able to find those and you're not going to have to worry about other people being around there. You'll also be able to see where more urban type areas are and where and how to get around them, the best way to get around them to be able to get to plan B retreats much easier and without coming into contact with other people as well. But you really should, if, you, if I mean, there's a lot you can learn just from going online, from the Googles, from just from taking a class. There's a lot you can find out about how to read topographical maps. Um, that was one thing. That was one thing I, I actually had the most fun with in the military. And I was a, I was a land navigation mofo. Like on on feet, I could I could find my plate, find my way anywhere with a topographical map and my wrist compass, and that was all I needed. So, um, really, really, uh, really valuable skill you should get out there. Number four is to travel light. Now we had we had a saying: travel light, freeze at night. And the reason for that is, is because especially if now now there's a real balance here because you're going to have to walk to get into these areas. Like we're, we're going to get dropped in by helicopter. That's going to give away your position. We didn't take a Humvee out there. It gives away your position. Sometimes with long range reconnaissance, we had the ATVs. We had, um, we had those to get out there, but again, the sound of those engines can really give away your position. So you need to plan on going out there by your LPCs, your leather personnel carriers, AKA your boots. And if you're carrying everything with you that you're going to need to subsist on for a while and you don't know how long that might be you're you've got to really find balance between the what you're going to be able to carry um, physically there and and how it's going to sustain you so what i mean by that is like all these preppers have these gigantic everything but the kitchen sink bug out bags filled with mres and you know, a, a tomahawk and a machete and a hammer and a hatchet and a this and a that. And I guarantee you, you're going to be dropping that stuff if you ever have to actually walk with it. So we, it was, trust me, it was a, it was a valuable skill learning what to bring and what not to bring. If we had MREs, if we took those out with us, we stripped those down. We took them out of the cardboard. We took every possible thing we could out of them. Most oftentimes we look, we took like ramen noodles out with us that were much lighter weight, but were going to give us carbohydrates and a lot of sodium and things like that. So you really learn how to get rid of the stuff that is not necessary and get rid of it. Um, even like sleeping bags, we typically didn't bring those out. It was typically a, a poncho and a poncho liner that were tied together and we just wrapped up in that thing. Now, 
We have Mylar bags and, and things like that that are even better and are going to give you a much, much better protection, keep you much warmer, and greatly reduce the weight that you're going to have there. My ultralight bug out bag is only 16 pounds. I did a, a whole video on this. It's a long video, but it is out over on YouTube and you'll find it there. I'll, put, I'll go ahead and put a link in the, in the show notes and the resources here as well. Okay, uh, tip number five here is ammo is heavy as hell. So I see people, they're carrying all these AR-15s and shotguns and everything else that they have for their survival weapons. And I can tell you, folks, that ammo, especially when you're not, you're not getting resupplied, everybody wants to take as much as they possibly can with them. And I get that, right? But that is going to determine kind of how much you can carry with you and what weapon you're going to choose. So just to give you some perspective here, 10 pounds of ammunition, if you put them side by side of nine millimeter rounds, and then you have 22 ammo, you're both, both piles are 10 pounds, right? Of the nine millimeter, you're going to have 380 rounds of nine millimeter that you'll be able to take with you. That sounds like quite a bit, right? That's 10 pounds of nine millimeter, 10 pounds of 22 ammo is about 1300 rounds. Now, I would much rather have 1,300 rounds than 380 rounds. That's, what's that, three, that's more than three times as many, as much ammunition there. So really look at this when it comes to what you're going to choose as a weapon. All right, tip number six is Kamo's king here, folks. Like, first thing we did, anytime that we go into a position, this is, this is infantry, it doesn't matter. Like, you can be with your whole platoon. When you go into a position, the very first thing, even if it's a temporary position, the first thing you do is you establish a perimeter, but then you establish communications. Now, hopefully you've got that already like along the way, but in a position, like it's going to be a longer term position, you want to establish really good communication. As a forward observer, we learned how to make um, improvised antennas that would go, that you would throw over top of a like a tree. So for you, what communication means do you have? Do you have long range radios? Do you have ham radios? Do you have a citizen's band radio? Do you just have walkie talkies? That's all going to make a difference in if, you know, if they're line of sight, then, and you just stuck a mountain in between you and maybe your home. So maybe you've got an observation post outside of your home. Maybe you're in a more rural area. Maybe you've got a base there and you put an outpost to be able to keep watch at night. You've got to make sure that you have communication. So you always give a commo check to make sure that you've got that commo. You've, you've got to maintain that communication. You might need to call in backup. So even in a, an urban situation, you might need to call in for first responders or let the police know or military or your survival team. You've got to know where the enemy is. You've got to know where the friendlies are. You've got to know where everybody is. So communication really, really does matter. Okay. Number seven is your sense of smell is stronger than you think. People don't realize this, but um, you can detect at least one trillion distinct scents with your olfactory senses. Uh, we, we were told in the military that you can smell cigarettes from two miles away. So smoking out in the field was strongly discouraged. Uh, so if you are a smoker, just know that you might be giving away your position. It might be the burning of the cigarette. It can be using the lighter. But even the smell could let somebody know that you are in the area, even if you're not making any noise. Same thing goes with if you're planning on bringing food out there and if you're looking at cooking it, uh, people are going to smell that. Even if it is within your home, if you're cooking bacon, 
people can might be, they might be smelling that on the outside of the home. So you you need to make sure that you are you are you are you're minding your senses when it comes to what you're cooking, whether you're smoking or what sense are you giving off. Likewise, it could be the scent that you're giving off is you took a shower when nobody else around you because there's no running water. You look like you're clean and everybody else is all funky because there's no running water, but you've given away in an urban setting, maybe you're around people and they're wondering why you smell, you look so clean and you smell so nice. And hmm, maybe this person has something that, or knows something that we don't know. Maybe they have running water. Maybe they have water, period. Maybe they have food. Maybe they have soap. Maybe they have, maybe they're better prepared than I am. And I'm going to go ask them for some stuff. Not what you want, right? So smell really does matter. Uh, all right. And finally, number eight, no, you don't need a flashlight to see. So this is one of my pet peeves out there. Everybody's got these high-speed LED flashlights, super high, super bright. They're great for everyday carry when it comes to personal protection, but not in survival situations. You really want to lay as low as possible. You don't want people to know that you, even if it's just that you have a flashlight, because there are people that are going to ask you to borrow their fla- your flashlight. But for us, we didn't want everybody to know where we were. So we, we never used a flashlight. Um, if we had anything at all, it was like to, to be able to read the map, we would have sometimes a chem light, but I'm not a big fi- fan of those because you can't really turn them off unless you've got them inside of a chem light case that's got like a, you know, a rotating thing. You can kind of open it up and close it up. Uh, but if we did have a flashlight, it had a red lens on it. And that was really, again, it was really just to be able to see the map if we were doing land navigation. For most people, you're not going to be reading a map trying to get from point A to point B. And so any sort of a flashlight, if you think that you need it to go through your bug out bag to find gear, to look around for stuff, you don't. You can travel perfectly well in pitch black darkness. Your eyes will adjust to it. Uh, we, we just, when we were... Uh, anytime that we were traveling, if we weren't looking at the map there, there we did not use a flashlight. You're not looking at a flashlight, look, putting it out in front of you to try and see where you're going. Your night vision will take care of you. So get used to doing this. And you can practice this yourself. You can travel around. Uh, if you're in a rural area, travel out on the road where there's no, where you don't have any streetlights, go in, in the woods. Just, you know, in a safe way, you just want to get used to seeing what you can actually see out there. You really get to know your night vision. You know, there we have like this, um, we have a night blind spot that's about 10 to 15 degrees off of, you know, center of our, of our, the center of our vision where you actually have a blind spot there. Everybody has it. It's just your brain fills in around it. Um, but at night you really, really notice it. And so you learn to, to shift your eyes just 10 or 15 degrees to the side to be able to see things in that area. And it, it makes a big difference. You really, it's something that you, it's, you I mean, you, you'll, you'll really notice it once you're out in the dark, but just very few people are ever actually out in the dark and pay, paying any attention to it. But if you do have a flashlight, just realize, especially with the LED lights these days, they're super powerful and they're going to give away your position. So get used to not using a flashlight. All right. Okay. Those are my eight quick tips for things that I learned in the military as a forward observer. I'd like to know what you've learned from your time in the military. If you've been in the military, what are some of the crossovers that you've found? I know we have a lot of people in the military. 
uh, that listen to our podcast. We have military contractors I know overseas that reach out to us and let us know that they listen to our podcast. So what are some things that you've learned in your training that have application for a real-world survival scenario as well? Please go ahead and leave those over in the comments where you see this post over at warriorlifepodcast.com. Let me know what you thought of this episode also in the comments section there. Plus, don't forget to check us out over on the YouTubes at youtube.com slash warrior where we release our new videos, which we're getting ready to release new videos anyway. So be sure to subscribe there and hit that little bell. When we're back on track here, you're going to make sure that you don't miss a single episode. You're going to get a little notification that's going to pop up on your screen there and let you know, let you know that we just uh, posted another uh, shot there. All right. And that's all we got today, folks. Until our next Warrior Life podcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.